Welcome to a Thursday episode of the Baseball Insiders, ending your week with a whole bunch of injury updates. I'm at Minerim alongside, as always, fan side, it's MLB insider Robert Murray. Robert, how you doing, dude? Dude, I'm wonderful, man. We're chilling. We're having a good time. Um, I'm here with you, so it's always a good day. How are you? Like, most importantly, though, how are you? How am I? I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm about to enter weekend relaxation mode a day early. I took Friday off. That's a week hack for all you people out there who want to change your weeks up. Take Friday off. It's a shorter week. Makes it feel good. Um, I'm certainly feeling fantastic over here in New York. It's getting a little beautiful. It was a little rainy and funky the last couple of days. We got our first snowstorm of the season two days ago, which in my humble opinion is way too late. Um, it's beautiful in Arizona, I presume. I saw some rain games yesterday, though. What, what's the weather like down there? It is actually like kind of gross. I'm not going to lie. Like I've been having to wear a hoodie uh, basically almost all day, every day at this point. Um, like it was, it was, I was supposed to get dinner last night with John Heyman, um, but the rain ended up like preventing that from happening. So that kind of sucked, but um, I believe it's going to be on for tonight. And then after that, it's going to end up being like back to Arizona weather. So let's get it, baby. I'll actually be able to get some, get, get a tan going again. Let's get it, folks. But that dinner, you, Heyman, outdoor table, under the misters. Let's get a classic Arizona evening. Uh, unfortunately, the news is not so great for the rest of the baseball world. Uh, we're finally, remember we were like a couple of days ago, like, ah, there are obviously going to be more injuries to talk about because that's how spring training works. And they're all hitting this week. We're going to detail the fallout from a couple of major ones and figure out which matter and which might not so much. But the number one injury that is dominating the airwaves this week, and rightfully so, Gavin Lux of the Dodgers is out for the season, and that Gavin sucks. Um, he tore his ACL and MC LCL in what was supposed to be uh, <clears throat> narratively, this is horrible, right? Like, for many reasons, this is a brutal spring training injury. Um, you know, not only because it robs the Dodgers of a starting shortstop, but it robs Gavin Lux, somebody who was a tippy-top prospect, upper echelon for so long, finally given the keys to the shortstop role this year. The Dodgers go out of their way to pave that path for him, and he's out on a complete freak injury. Uh, what was your immediate reaction uh, to hearing that this had, had officially gone down? Yeah, when it happened, like you knew it wasn't good. Um, just the way that he twisted and contorted, it just it was not how a body should usually like I don't know, look when it's making I don't know. But anyways, but it, it was not a surprise whatsoever that he ended up suffering a season ending injury. Like it was basically from the moment it happened and like immediate aftermath, like you were talking to people around there, like they knew it was bad. And it's exactly what the Dodgers could least afford at this point um, is they had placed their shortstop position strictly with Gavin Lux. He was going to be their guy. And they ended up moving out from Trey Turner and Corey Seager in consecutive off seasons because for one reason, they were comfort level in Gavin Lux. Now you're looking, they're most likely going to cover this internally um, because you have Miguel Rojas, who they acquired from the Marlins earlier in the offseason, you have um, Miguel Vargas, who is their top prospect, who was already primed to get some pretty significant at-bats. You have Chris Taylor, who is a pretty solid option there. He could play almost anywhere on the field. You have Mookie Betts, who has actually been wanting to play second base. He'll get more time at second base. So they're going to have 
they're going to have some internal options for sure, but I just don't know if any of them can live up to what they expected from Gavin Lux. That's what's so crazy to me here is we already felt that the Dodgers maybe deserve some scorn uh, for the way that they constructed their offseason. Somehow willing to stay past the luxury tax, but not willing to do so in a meaningful way. Like they're going out and getting Miguel Rojas and spending money upon money just so he could be their utility guy. And Miguel Vargas at a point in the offseason was probably the biggest question mark. He's their star second baseman. But he doesn't even play that position. He's a third baseman outfielder who's messed around at second and all of a sudden, no, we got to cover that hole. No more shift. Like he's more athletic than Max Muncy. We can't him anymore. So now all of a sudden Miguel Vargas is a starting second baseman. That's all well and good, but you lose an experienced shortstop at Lux. And now Rojas is an everyday player. Probably Chris Taylor is working out to stretch his arm to play short. Interesting idea, but it's March 2nd. Like, how much stretching out does he need before you feel confident in that? And Mookie Betts has been begging all offseason long to play more second base, and all of us on the outside are rolling our eyes like, yeah, you're a right fielder, though, right? Like, why would you want to do that? And all of a sudden, can the Dodgers even avoid that at this point? He's probably going to be a second baseman for uh, at least a portion of this season. It feels, like, unfathomable that the Dodgers could go from a lineage of Corey Seager to Trey Turner to finally handing the keys to Gavin Lux to Miguel Rojas, the starter in the blink of an eye uh, with bets begging in from the outfield. And then you got all sorts of depth concerns out there. Jason Hayward, James Outman, none of these names uh, make you feel secure and warm and fuzzy. Do you think the Dodgers deserve any scorn for setting up a situation where losing Lux for the year throws the whole thing into Gavin Flux? Boy, your your Lux puns are uh, they're on point today. I'll give you that. Um, but like, there's a couple of things that I immediately want to say to that. Is is first off, Mookie Betts. I don't think he's going to hate this at all. Like playing second base, I should say. Um, he's had his eyes on doing that now for a little bit. Um, he's done it previously in his career, and he views it as an opportunity to prolong his career um, because playing in the outfield is a pretty strenuous position. Um, so I, I think it'll be, it'll help him in the long haul, uh, by playing more second base, but I don't know if you can really score in the Dodgers for this because it's such a freak injury. Like nobody could have seen him or seen Gavin Lux suffering this kind of an injury and missing the entire year. So like, I'm going to be cautious and putting too much blame on them, but, um, it's certainly not a position that they, it, it's a tough position to say the least. And, and, if you look externally at the options that they have, you can look at Didi Gregorius. You can look at Jose Iglesias, mm-hmm. um, Andrelton Simmons. Like if you look in the trade market, they've, they've got a, they've got interest in Willie Adamas. I don't think that's a secret at this point. And Adamas ranks high on the list of players that they like externally, but the Brewers have shown zero willingness to move him. So basically it's going to be, internal options or you add one of Jose Iglesias or the other kind of shortstops. And I'll tell you that that's tough. Although Iglesias sneaky underrated, like and he's, you know what you're getting there. Um, like I, I like Jose Iglesias. He's going to come cheap too uh, for whatever team eventually signs him, especially at this point of the off season. Um, but the, the Dodgers losing Lux is a huge injury. And then you look over in San Diego and they have endless shortstops. Um, it is it is remarkable. Um, and 
I mean, Manny Machado could even play shortstop too if he wanted. So it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy how the Dodgers are so weak at one area, but yet the Padres are just completely loaded at that area. Um, I don't know. It's just something I thought about. Yeah. The Padres have made a mockery of the position. They're, they're throwing Fernando Tatis Jr. in the middle of the outfield and they have all these shortstops and they have all these shortstops who are going to be there for a decade plus. Like it's, it's absolutely wild. Uh, the Mookie Betts quote on playing second. Uh, I pulled this up just because it's uh, he talked to Fabian Ardaya of the athletic uh, a couple days ago. And he said, you know, I talk to them all the time about it, but eventually dot, dot, dot. I don't know. They pay me to play right. And they said, stay in right after that. It kind of is what it is. Well, now it is what it isn't. It's something else entirely. And I think you're right. Betts came up as a second baseman. It's tough to watch that athleticism and say, oh, yeah, second base is the best spot for this freak athlete, 300 bowler, you know, absolute megastar in every sport. Like, yeah, put him on the infield dirt. But he does want to save his body. You're right. Uh, Traditionally, players of Betts' height and weight don't have the most longevity, which hurts to say. I don't like saying that out loud. But and you can look at bets and say, well, you know, I mean, it's not going to happen to him. There's nobody like him. The wear and tear is not going to get him. But Andrew McCutcheon, I think we all would have probably said five years ago, like, oh, I, I mean, that guy's indestructible. Why would he eventually look a little more pedestrian? And he's kind of a 20 homer guy who floats team to team at this point. So if Betts is saying he wants it, maybe it's time to give it to him. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's it may not be something that happens consistently this year, but eventually down the line, it's something that the Dodgers and Bets are going to have to talk about, and it's going to be a big decision. And is it a big decision? You bet. Uh, sorry, that was a really bad pun. I wanted to get on your level, um, but uh, yeah, press your luck. Press your lucks with that pun. Yeah, that's uh, boy. It's better to be luxy than good. Um, but uh, yeah, that's oh boy, I can't. What the heck? We've turned in, we've turned this into a big pun episode. We're only eleven minutes yeah, in. Yeah. Betts really did roll the Ardaya, bringing up that uh, he wants to play second base with the. <laughs> See, I appreciate that pun even more because Fabian is like one of my best friends in the entire world. So shout out, shout out to Fobs, an absolute G of a human being. So um, yeah, we, we, what were we talking? We were talking. Yeah, we were talking monkey bets. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to basically be musical chairs in that infield for the Dodgers. That's, that's my current guess. Um, I'm very fascinated to see how Dave Roberts plays with that one. Cause that is, that's a really tough one to navigate. I do have my eye on Michael Bush a little bit. Who's another Dodgers infield top prospect sort of in the Gavin Lux mold of we've seen how tough it is for a top prospect that the Dodgers are a player development machine. Right. So obviously they have a lot of internal Corey Seager rose through the ranks of the farm system, you know, made some inroads there. Cody Bellinger that, you know, they do give prospects an opportunity, but at the same time, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're the all caps gleaming brand of major league baseball right now. If they have an opportunity to get a Freddie Freeman, they're going to do it. If they have the opportunity to trade for Mookie Betts, they're going to do it. So it could be tough to be Gavin Lux and to be a top prospect and to always be looking for a way into the lineup and just be told like, ah, we have Justin Turner there. Like, sorry, we have an MVP there. Best of lucks. Um, and, and Michael Bush is sort of the other guy who Gavin finally got over the hump and was going to be the starting shortstop this year. And you can't help but feel awful for him at the timing of all of this. But when you work that hard, it takes three, three and a half years to get him 
into the lineup regularly. Uh, I mean, Michael Bush was even one step behind that going, oh, my gosh, I got three more years of this. Like, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to stay patient? Like, trade me. Kybert Ruiz me. Send me to Washington, whatever it takes. Um, And then now he is another guy I'm sort of eyeing because one prospect's door temporarily closing. and, And I'm sure Gavin Lux will get another opportunity next year. But that temporary closure now may be a door open for Michael Bush. Who knows where and for how long, but there's at least a shot there. No, there absolutely is. And Johnny, um, where are you seeing that? Or do you have a source that's saying Zach Britton to the Cubs? Because as is of he, last yeah, night, he, are you the source? Yeah. Yeah. Cause as of last night, I was told that Zach Britton was not close anywhere. So, um, but yeah, like going, going to the Dodgers here, like they're, like Michael Bush is a good name that you brought up because I, he's a somebody that they're very high on uh, internally there, and it's good too because the Dodgers have such a talented roster from top to bottom, especially in the lineup that um, he wouldn't necessarily feel the need to like produce right away. Like I mean, obviously he's gonna have um, like he would have key at bats, of course, but like he would there would be a lineup that would take the pressure off of him and he could learn from him too. So I think that'd be a good situation for him there as well. But um, man, that, that Gavin Lux injury, it's, it's weird. It seems like, and even Andrew Friedman said this today is that it seems like a lot of people are already like kind of doubting um, the Dodgers a little bit. And it's all the focus is on the Padres and the Dodgers can even play loose. They can play looser, I should say. Um, because they're the team that does not have the most pressure on them in that division, which is absolutely crazy to think about considering um, the pressure that they've had in recent years and like the amount that they've invested in the roster. But it's just, it's a reality at this point. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious that like the, the Padres, they have Bob Melvin, obviously a veteran manager. I think he's about as good of a manager as you can possibly have for that organization, considering he's so good at navigating this kind of a thing. Um, and like, He's very good in the clubhouse. If they had anybody else, I'd be a little bit worried about San Diego, but like the Padres are going to be tough and the Dodgers are going to have to be at all cylinders and losing Gavin Lux. That makes that job a lot tougher on the Dodgers for sure. We saw it last year from a fan's perspective. There's nothing worse than knowing you're in the middle of the season, all caps. And if this year does not end in a championship, it will be a crushing failure. Like, it's awful to know how talented your team is and to be like, man, if we don't win it all this year, this is going to hurt. Imagine how bad that is if you are in that clubhouse and you are the 111 win Dodgers last year. And you're like, man, if we do not win the World Series, we are going to get clowned. Uh, it's a different position for the Dodgers to be in this year for sure. But they have tons of talent as always. So why not just go out there and leave it all on the field? Uh, the only other Dodgers thought I have New York Yankees have two top shortstop prospects right now. Uh, They've got Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza, one of whom might end up playing second base at the major league level because they're both not only top prospects in the system, but both ready for major league playing time. I don't know. The loser of that competition, like Volpe is showing out right now. He hit a home run today. He's hitting 364. Peraza not doing much to lose that spot, but – Peraza for Bobby Miller. Dodgers maybe bite if you offer them Peraza for a top pitching prospect. I don't know. Just say it out loud. How about this? Isaiah Kiner Falefa. How about it? I'm telling you, like, he could be a stopgap option for the Dodgers. I mean, 
wouldn't cost him too much. I wouldn't think. What like what what do you think? Am I am I nuts for suggesting that or no? No, I mean it's just a matter of whether the Dodgers want it. But he's exactly what you know what you're getting with Isaiah Connor Falefa. He's hitting 270. He's getting on base. The range is excellent. The glove is not fantastic. He's a better third baseman than a shortstop. But yeah, 270, 275, uh, five, six, seven homers a year. Gap power, uh, fun. Yeah, as long as the pressure isn't on him to perform, fun yep. player. No, exactly. And it would also it would accomplish what the Yankees would like in also shedding some salary. And then maybe you can, boy, it's going to be tough to end up adding a, another outfielder at this point because the, the pickings are slim. Although Jerks and Profar are still magically out there. Like, I don't know if the Yankees are actually interested in Profar, but um, I don't know. Just like something that was not on my mind until about 45 seconds ago. It's like, you know what? Hey, a light bulb just went off. Um, Stranger things, I guess. Stranger things have happened. It's a perfect transition because uh, I did want to talk a little bit about Profar today, only to chin on him because I feel like a lot (laughs) we we joke about it all the time. But when we did our remaining free agent all star team, almost half the names we were looking at each other going, "Come on, that's the best we got." I I guess it is. Um, And heading into spring training and the second week of game action. We still are kind of there. Most of the names that are still on the board are not the most enticing. It's the Jose Iglesias. Uh, but Yuli Gurriel and Jerks and Profar are both still on the market. Do we have any update of, of significance about those names? Or are we just waiting and wishing? <laughs> we honestly might be at this point. Um, it's uh, with Gurriel, he's probably going to be waiting out. Um, to see if anybody gets injured in, in Major League Spring training here to see if he can get a big league deal. Because I think with him or with each passing day, it's increasingly likely that he ends up settling for a minor league contract, which is pretty crazy considering the kind of success that he's had. Um, but it's a current reality of the market. And as of last night, I was told that Jerickson Profar is not close um, anywhere. And it's strange. He may like – there's room. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get into that. Um, yeah. But he's. Uh, it's a really tricky situation. He turned down what was it a player option for seven or eight million somewhere in that ballpark, mm-hmm. um, in hopes of landing a more lucrative multi-year contract, and it just wasn't there. And it looks like it was a huge miscalculation um, by Profar, and he's going to end up paying the price for it. At this point, he's going to settle for a one-year contract. So he can get back out of the market next year. Um, but where that contract eventually comes from, I don't know. And I thought maybe the Brewers could be a fit there just because um, they ended up losing Tyrone Taylor yesterday. Taylor is a center fielder, or primarily a center fielder. So it's not a natural fit, but the Brewers outfield depth is pretty thin. Um, even like before that injury, they signed Tyler Naquin to a minor league contract like a week ago. Um, so maybe there'd be a fit there. I just don't know if it worked financially, but um, boy, that that's a really, really, really interesting one. And I'm wondering when he eventually signs, how much is it going to be for? Because he, he's going to get a major league deal, I would think. Yeah. Um, but just for how much are we talking at this point? Because three, is it four with incentives to get to a certain number? I don't know, but um if, if he could add that decision back, I bet you would have accepted that player option and remained in San Diego. Profar got sucker punched by the market a little bit this offseason, and the Padres brought in the perfect player to deliver that sucker punch yesterday, signing Rugnet Odor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Ben Spot, uh, one of the strangest Major League Baseball players. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but he it feels like he subsists almost entirely on vibes. And the good occasionally outweighs the bad. He's an, He seems to be a great clubhouse guy. Underwhelming hitter by every metric, but the highs are very high. The home runs travel extremely far. Uh, like the the metrics don't love him. Strikes out a lot. Not a very patient hitter. Definitely a first ball swinger. Sometimes it's a pop up. Sometimes it's 435 feet into the seats. Sort of feels to me like the way Jorge Alfaro last, was last year in San Diego. Like doesn't seem to be having a very good season outsiders look at the numbers and go yeah not great pretty cuttable but he's out there grabbing the mic at the end of all those Padres walk-offs screaming let's effing go like Odor could be that guy I don't know how you envision that working out for AJ Preller it's just it continues the trend of former Texas Rangers ending up with the Padres under Preller I don't I don't know what it is but he's got a thing for his old Texas Rangers buddies um but it's, it's infield depth is what it is it is um no risk whatsoever. I would like from everything I've been told, it rules out them signing Jose Bautista. So um, <laughs> that's uh, I, I, I heard the same. Johnny's sources told me uh, Bautista will not be coming out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's boy. Oh, boy. Let me tell you that. I mean, I have no issue with it whatsoever. I think adding as many veteran pieces as you possibly can is a good thing because on a minor league deal, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You can get um, a spot start here or there. If he makes it to the major league level, you can get veteran depth. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I really enjoy and appreciate how much AJ Prowder constantly turns out the bottom of the bottom of his roster. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's impressive. He never stops. Um, I, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Howie Roseman in the NFL with the Eagles general manager. Like, how he, he never sleeps. He always is turning out the bottom of his roster. And Preller seems like the same thing. Like he, he just does the same thing. I, I wonder if those two have like have some sort of relationship or if they've ever talked. I should probably ask uh, Preller about that and see what he has to say. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's impressive. Odor is just the latest example. And it's why I always say I would never rule anything out with the Padres because you just never know with Preller. Always striking gold at the margins. And like Howie Roseman, the team is in the Super Bowl this year, and yet he somehow also has a top 10 pick in the draft. Like It's it's like Preller, no stone unturned. It's like Darn we me. have three shortstops. We, we have three all-star MVP level shortstops. Why not? Who cares? You can never have too many. No, exactly. It's, it's how we do it. So, I'm sorry. That was – boy. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the heck has gotten into us today, Adam, but not – Boy, I, you know, I like it, though. I like our puns. Even oh, though there is I'm no – I have no issue with this. Even though Bobo Dangit is not impressed by our puns. So. <laughs> the comment section is literally <laughs> swearing um, in anger at the fact that we're punning. But there's no reason – I would say so far I haven't seen a reason not to subscribe to the Baseball Insiders. Uh, you'll find us live on YouTube every Monday and Thursday, all off-season, all regular season long, 3.30 Eastern time. Some of the episodes – they're going to be pun based. Some of them are not. Some of them are going to be deadly serious. We're mm. probably going to be doing a 35 part trade deadline spectacular where we're, I mean, look, Robert, you and I have had episodes where all we do is read out contract details where we're like, oh, you're going to love this. Year five is 1.375 million. Like we've done that. And we now we're doing that. Yeah. Get it all. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's basically you never know what you're going to get, but you're always going to get information. That's one thing you know you'll get. But just some days you'll get a lot of puns and you know what? It's wonderful, um, even though some other people would disagree. But um, I love it. It's it's part of what makes the show so so much fun to do, especially with you, my guy. Well, like The Bachelor, I give this Roseman to you, Roseman. And we'll move on to another uh, <laughs> a topic of discussion. It'll take you anywhere, I swear. <laughs> I don't leave the house. Uh, we, we have to uh, <laughs> detail a couple more injury issues, sadly, uh, bringing it back to <laughs> I've never done that transition before. Uh, dumb, dumb puns for three minutes and then being like, but seriously, folks, there have been some very sobering injuries this offseason. Uh, another just few to detail uh, this week. The week in uh, brutal breaks. Uh, you mentioned Tyrone Taylor. Uh, we've got a bunch of non-season-ending injuries in addition to the Gavin Lux. Joe Musgrove, workout accident. Drops a weight on his toe, breaks his big toe. Jordan Alvarez has got a lingering hand issue. Dana Brown says he'll be ready for opening day, but still not really swinging. And Tyler Glass now, an oblique. And you know how tricky those obliques are. And you yep. know how tricky those obliques are for pitchers. And you know how tricky every injury is for the recovering Tyler Glass now. Uh, he's going to be laid up for potentially six to eight weeks. But you never know with those. It could be longer. Uh, which of these non-season-ending injuries uh, worries you the most? Yeah, it's. I would have to say it's Tyler Glass now. Um, obliques are tricky. You never know what you're going to end up getting with that. Um, it, it could end up lasting all year. It could last two months because it's the time frame on that is six to eight, six to eight weeks. So, I mean, that's minimum of two months right there. Um, and those are it's just basically you got to play it really cautious. But I will say the one that has the biggest impact to me um, is, is Joe Musgrove. Um, I know there's some other people who would say Jordan Alvarez just because that's been an issue that he's dealt with for quite a while. But Musgrove is a pitcher the Padre signed for 100 million bucks. Um, he is their ace, um, and losing him to a freak injury like that, that's, that's going to be a tough one to overcome in the short term, but that the good news for the Potter is it, is it happened now rather than like a few days before opening day. So like, he's not going to miss too, too much time. I don't know the exact time frame on that quite yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the glass now one scares me the most, especially for what the Rays signed him for. Cause that was a pretty hefty contract they end up signing him to i think it was what a one year mm -hmm. am i wrong um, uh, i think it's a big arb isn't it i'll, I'll look it yeah, up it's a big arb deal um and like i was actually i thought they may end up trading him um yeah, but they signed him that contract instead it's two years 30.35 million for this and next and for the rays i mean that is that's zach efflin money right there <laughs> yeah i'll tell you that that contract was the most surprising one of the offseason for me. I didn't expect him to get that kind of dough. Um, just further evidence that Tyler Anderson should have ended up waiting. And I'll tell you, that was a good deal for the Angels. I, I, I like that one quite a bit. So, yeah. um, I, saw, I don't know. I saw, Tyler Tyler Anderson. I saw Tyler Anderson on MLB Network. I think it was yesterday trying to explain that again. And I still was like, I don't get it, man. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. It's... Yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's it's strange watching spring training and then automatically like seeing the guys that sign in the winter be like, oh yeah, that guy ended up there. Um, I've had that a few times this spring, but um, I don't know. It just it, it takes a little bit of time to get used to. It. That's why spring training is here. Um, that's why it's a thing. So that's good. 
for the ball right. Spring training has been a, a shocker for many reasons. And before we go, I want to touch on the lighter side just a little bit. First of all, the pitch clock. I got a little bit of pitch clock shock today. Wandy Peralta of the New York yeah, Yankees nuts. struck yeah. out a Pittsburgh Pirates batter in 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Just ball in my hand, ball to catcher, get the ball back, throw it again one more time, and you're gone. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. And Wandy Peralta is, uh, of course, he's the guy who hacked the system. Like, of course, he's the guy who, uh, you know, when when pitchers are told, like, hey, you can't take 25 seconds anymore, he's like, great, I'm going to take zero seconds. Enjoy. Like, he figured out a new wrinkle and a way to make it work. What have you seen so far watching the pitch clock that's made you go, like, that just, you know, cocked your head to the side a little bit, like, ah, that's, uh, that was weird. I'll tell you, it's like, it was the Carlos Correa one the other day where he ended up stepping out of the box and realizing, like, oh shit, like, I, I gotta be in the box. Like, that was, like, that was like the prime example of like, um, of it being still getting used to, or the players still getting used to it. But I genuinely really like it from my experience. The games are shorter. Um, it just seems like it has much more of a rhythm. Um, I think it's personally a really good thing. And if you end up talking to a lot of these different people around baseball, they like it. And I think it's going to end up being a really good thing. It's games are now consistently in what the two fifteen to two twenty range, mm-hmm. which that's a huge improvement from three twenty. I'm curious to see exactly like what it looks like during the regular season, how much these umpires really enforce it. But um, for now, I, I genuinely really like it. I think, from a trend, like I don't, I honestly don't know if it could go or, or if it could have gone any better. I'm curious what you think on that too. Oh, I completely agree. And and there was, you're hearing nothing but positive press. I would say so far from most mainstream outlets who were covering this, I said there was a game. You're right. They're averaging like 215, 220. There was the Reds were in a spring training game the other day. I want to say it ended 15, 14. Both teams had a ton of runs and hits, and that game was like three hours, 15 minutes like the longest possible baseball game that typically in the regular season would be a four hour, 48 minute, like record setter was the length of a typical baseball game from years past. And it really does get elucidated with somebody tweeted uh, a Sandy Koufax, uh, you know, world series game from the sixties today. And was basically just like, when you're arguing that this isn't the baseball you grew up with, like it actually is the baseball that a lot of people grew up with. Like this was baseball until the late nineties until no more messing with the gloves. And the, the two thousands really slowed the game down, but you look at the classic baseball games, the pitchers are getting the ball. They're rocking and firing. They're doing the Wandy Peralta. And this Koufax game was just ruthless efficiency. Uh, the only worry is injury stuff, but the minor league data we have so far indicates the risk is negligible when you speed pitchers up like this. And if that stays the same, then I'm all for it. Me too. And that was my biggest concern coming in was the the potential for more injuries. But as you said, the data in the minor leagues suggests that it won't be that big of an issue or any issue whatsoever. Um, and yeah, as long, as long as the, there's no injury risk, I'm all for it. And we've already seen the benefits from it now. Um, I think it's, I think it's a great thing for baseball. It's only going to, I think it'll help bring more people in Um because as I mentioned before, the rhythm is like, it's definitely there. It's not where you're throwing one pitch and then all of a sudden, like you have to wait for a minute for the next one to, to come out. And it's, I just think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I'm glad they implemented it. Cause it's, it's been a long time coming. 
My favorite moment of spring training so far, though, was a game that went a little longer than it needed to when the Pirates and Orioles the other day agreed to play a bottom of the ninth inning that did not have to happen. The game was over. The team batting in the bottom of the ninth had already won. The umpire said, fuck this. We're out. We're leaving. The umps bounced the two teams scrimmage an extra half inning. Uh, we need more lawless baseball. We need more baseball. The purge. We need umpires to decide to take innings off. We need catchers to legislate this mano a mano. I had an incredibly fun time with that happening. I'll tell you, has that ever happened before? I don't think so. And my question is, why didn't they come back? The umpires were walking off the field. It's not like the umpires had left hours ago. You could still see them in the shot. The announcers were like, the umpires appear to be wandering away. Like you could go get them and tell them to come back, but nobody did. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I freaking love it. I thought that was freaking cool. Um, lawless baseball. It's freaking cool. Like having the catchers basically call a game with like balls and strikes. I'm all for it, dude. And I mean, that's, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. I would imagine major league baseball probably reach out to those umpires that were like, Hey, like you got to stay behind the plate and stay in your positions. But, um, I don't know. It's been a weird, weird spring so far for umpiring. Um, really weird between that and, and what was going on with Ali Marmol and the Cardinals. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that's probably been one of the weirdest storylines so far. What was the deal with that? Not to be 90s Seinfeld, but I feel like I missed like <laughs> Ali Marmol and, uh, and that ump had a run in last year and that's great. But like managers and umpires have run ins all the time. The disrespect lasted all the way to this spring and Ali Marmol was the one who gave him a chance. Right. And said, I, I tried to broach the subject and he, he, he wouldn't do it. And, and, you know, I'll never I'll never make that mistake again. What what happened? It was just he didn't agree to shake hands with Ali Marmol. And yeah. Marmol had a huge issue with that because he wanted to like he wanted to move forward from what had happened last year. And as soon as he ended up refusing that handshake, it was it was oh, boy, that, that created a huge poop storm uh, to say put it mildly there. Um and Major League Baseball, they got involved. It, it, like with the comments that Marmol had made post game, like he was guaranteed going to get fined. But yeah. the suspensions were never likely there whatsoever. But um, and the, the next time that those two were on the same field together, I'm I'm pleased to report that they, they did indeed shake hands. So maybe there's some sort of progress there in, in their friendship or relationship or just moving forward from that. The couple of incidents that they've had. Yeah, feels like they're probably not going to grab dinner with you and Heyman anytime soon. But it's just uh, it's yeah, not getting my hopes up. No, it's it's funny because every fan base in every sport thinks that there are refs that hate them. Like Carl Cheffers in the NFL, the Chiefs fans who watched him ref were like, "Oh, Carl, we got Cheffers for a playoff game." Everybody thinks there's a ref who hates you. Cardinals fans, there's an ump who hates you. He does not like you or your your manager or your team. No, and boy, yeah, that's. I'll tell you, that's going to be a really interesting one to watch during the season, too. Like, Because if, if he makes a, a controversial call, you got to imagine Marmol is going to probably break the 40-yard dash record getting a home plate. Um, that's that, that could end up being a really interesting one. But, um, yeah, um, that's just one of many storylines that we've gotten so far from spring. But as I said before, definitely one of the weirder ones. God, it's been so beautiful, though. I can't wait for the next several weeks, and I can't wait for March 30th. It's drawing ever closer. Everybody open it up the same day, an all-time opening day. No matter where you are, you've got baseball to watch. And uh, for the first time ever, the glorious game does have a clock. And so far, 
so good. That is it for this edition of the Baseball Insiders. Find us next week. Please come join us again. Typical time, 3.30 Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays. We're always here. We're here all off-season. We're here all regular season. A lot of fun stuff coming up. And make sure to subscribe on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. And if you miss this, if you're listening on audio and you want to get the video feed, great. Come on over to the YouTube channel. But if you're an audio person, that's great, too. We're on all podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, you can get the audio as soon as we sign off here on the video feed. Robert Murray, thanks so much for joining me. As always, man, you make the magic happen. Uh, sometimes you can pick your co-hosts. Uh, with us, it was the lux of the draw, but it's been a beautiful relationship. Uh, I'm not going to acknowledge that pun, uh, but I, I love it very much, Mr. Weinrib. You're an absolute G, as always. And show is not possible without you. Everybody who watched, we appreciate you. Um, please subscribe, by the way, because that's what puts food at my table and I enjoy eating. So um, please do that. But thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll talk to you again on Monday. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.